you could see like in the corner right there. You can <laughs> you can see a little. <laughs> Anyways, hey, what's going on, everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mod Chat. In case you do not know, Mod Chat is a at least monthly podcast I like to do here on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel, in which I kind of just cover some things that are happening in the modding scene that might interest me. It's not necessarily breaking news by any means, so if you're wanting something brand new right here, right now, you're not going to get it from this, for the most part, at least. However, it's kind of a nice recap of what I might find interesting in regards to this and hopefully what you all find interesting. Now even though there is a visual component to this, as I said this is a podcast, so if you look up Mod Chat on your favorite podcasting platform, some of them include Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, etc. Just look up Mod Chat on there. You can subscribe and you can listen to a mp3 audio only version of this podcast and listen to this well like any other podcast you would, I guess. Now, in regards to the monthly thing, I did just want to say on there, uh, I missed Matt last month. My bad. Uh, I think the previous month I did two episodes kind of back-to-back in a way. And it's not that that broke me by any means, but uh, look, that was just on me. I just didn't do an episode in August. I wanted to, and then at that point I was like, I'm not going to force this. I don't know. But anyways, I'm back for this episode here, episode 64. We're just going to continue on with this and do at least once a month and see what can happen. And there is a lot to cover on here, and there's actually a decent amount I kind of had to omit just to condense this episode down a little bit. But there's still some really good stuff that we can look into here. So let's take a look at our first topic in regards to this. First of all, I'm not going to go into a whole ton of detail on this here because I've actually covered some videos and some tutorials that show how to utilize this. But there is a new PlayStation 4 jailbreak. It is official. It is released. It's not new by any means. It's been out there for a few weeks. But mind you, this is from... Oh my goodness, I, I think I'm going to butcher this gentleman's name, but Sleers Govey, I want to say that's his name and I'm not going to try it again. He ended up releasing PS4 JB and this is a PS4 6.72 jailbreak. It, it kind of just came out of nowhere. It was about two months ago we're seeing right here. Jeez, it really has been that long. It was about two months ago where the initial commits were being made on here. And the reason why I wanted to cover this is because, again, it did release, and the last time I was covering the PlayStation 4 6.72 jailbreak, it was in a state where we ended up getting the kernel exploit itself from the flow. The flow ended up releasing that. There was a WebKit exploit that was available, but as I said in that last episode of Mod Chat, you need both WebKit and kernel and then you need to build the full exploit chain to actually implement and utilize your jailbreak well this jailbreak came out and the the funny thing is with it it was extremely unstable at the beginning I, i'm taught when i say unstable i'm talking even the developer here was saying hey maybe like you might have to reboot your system 10 times before this works because you can get kernel panics when you're utilizing this. Well, it has slowly and slowly been getting more and more stable to a point where I'd say it's pretty usable for everyday usage now. Now, keep in mind that the 5.05 jailbreak right now is still king in terms of homebrew access and reliability. 6.72, you are going to run into kernel panics, and now there's a little bit of a fight between the hosts, let's say. And it's not 
not a fight. By that I mean the main exploit host, which would be Al-Lazif, has been hosting this. And stability can vary. I'm personally getting about 60 or 70% success rates at times. And it's still improving with new implementations, with new updates to the jailbreak and such. However, I know Lethal has also taken their own take on this. And I believe Lethal is quite stable. I know Codemaster has also done their own implementation. And they've also all collaborated with each other in some way to really just get this to a more stable point but it still goes without saying for the most part if you're wanting your stability you should stay on firmware 5.05 the only reason to really jump up to 6.72 is if you're wanting to play newer games which require a higher firmware of 6.72 or lower so something such as death stranding would require that i don't want to get into this other topic all too much so i'm going to kind of bundle it in here but there was was a lot of backporting that was happening as well too in which people were able to take decrypted 6.72 games so games that require that higher firmware people who had those consoles on higher firmwares were able to dump and decrypt them and then people have been utilizing those to build backport patches so they would work on lower 5.05 firmware similar to what we had seen for example with the final fantasy 7 remake demo when that ended up leaking out there was a dev copy that leaked out and then it was recompiled so to speak i know that's not the proper term but repackaged there we go and designed to run on firmware 5.05 for jailbroken ps4s about the same thing is happening here just on a wider scale i don't want to touch up on that too much because even though i think that is awesome and that is an option to have i don't think that is a permanent thing that people should stick with with that, I mean, there was a lot of issues that came with backporting, so there were games that were causing save issues, there were games that weren't loading up properly, games that were crashing. Uh, EA games are apparently a whole different beast for whatever reason, because I don't know what the hell EA does to their games, but they needed to be patched in a whole different way. But either way on that, those were all problems that were introduced with backporting. However, if you played those games encrypted or decrypted on firmware 6.72, they ran fine for the most part. So I'm of the belief if the game is going to require higher firmware, it's better to play on that higher firmware. So if you're wanting to play those games, you might want to update to 6.72. Maybe not do a straight update because I'm going to get to that later on when I talk about PS4 firmware reverting, not downgrading, reverting. That's a whole other thing there. Uh, but mind you, that's kind of my opinion on it, at least. If you're going to do a backport for like one game, maybe two, eh, okay. But if you're trying to have like a whole collection of backported games, you might as well just update to the higher firmware at that point. I'm personally on 6.72 on my jailbroken PS4. Again, I'm getting about a 60 or 70% success rate on there. But even then, there's days I go days without getting a kernel panic. Because when I'm using my PS4, I'm not, you know, rebooting it over and over and over. Typically, if I use it in a day, I'm going to turn it on once, maybe twice. So because of that, there's been days that I've gone without a kernel panic, and it's worked well enough. I also did want to give a little bit of an update to the much-beloved free DVD boot from Turt. Now, this is an awesome exploit for the PlayStation 2 that I ended up dedicating an entire episode of Mod Chat to. In short, in case you do not know, this now allows you to boot up Homebrew on a PlayStation 2 with nothing but a blank DVD. If you have a compatible PlayStation 2, you literally come to the GitHub here, 
you grab a pre-built ISO that works on your system, you then burn that to a blank DVD, you pop that blank DVD into your PS2, and Viola, at that point, within a few seconds, you're in U-Launch Elf. You don't need free McBoot, you don't need Fortuna, you don't need a mod chip, you don't need any other exploit, you just need a burn DVD, or a blank DVD in this case, which is fantastic. I want to do this update here because it now has some support for FAT systems at this point. So if you come over here, we're going to take a look at the FAT consoles. These ones are a little bit different, but I'm just going to cover this here. FAT consoles have many different firmware version revisions, which makes them harder to add support for. It also means you will need to identify your firmware version and burn the matching ISO file. It's still early in terms of support for different versions. Check back here later. Hopefully over time, other developers from the scene will also contribute for additional DVD player versions. The new exploit for 2.10 should be possible to port to all firmwares between 1.0 and 2.13. Sony actually patched this one in 2.14, lol. So it looks like here the DVD player versions which are supported are 2.10, but they're saying certain models only, possibly. It is confirmed to not be working on SCPH 39004 models. 2.12 DVD player version. This is confirmed for regions U, J, and G. If any other regions exist for 2.12, let me know, as well as 3.04. Now, it's also mentioned here, tested only region M and emulator so far, but guess most other regions except for J will work with English language set in settings. So there you go. If you have a fat PlayStation 2, you might be able to make use of free DVD boot, and if you're trying to mod up your PS2 and run some homebrew, do a few other things, I'd highly encourage that because um, free DVD boot is awesome. It's so easy. It is what we have been waiting for. At this point, we are at the Dreamcast level of booting up discs on a PlayStation 2. Now we're not quite done with PS2 releases. I did mention Free McBoot and Fortuna, but one thing I did not mention is Fun Tuna. Now, in case anyone does not know, Fortuna is an exploit for the PlayStation 2, which you can install on a memory card, and it works on all PS2 Slims. It's supposed to work, in theory it should work for every PS2, by that I mean every PS2 would be vulnerable, however it's only been ported to work on these slim models so far. However, the cool thing is with that is that it allows you, much like free DVD boot, you copy these files to a memory card, you spend a few seconds maneuvering the memory card, and then when you exit out, you launch you launch Elf. And from there, you can launch your homebrew and all that. Just like free DVD boot, though, it doesn't have a menu, it doesn't have a bunch of options, much like free McBoot does, uh, but it is an option for slim owners, especially the 90,000 series owners who got their systems patched, which means that they cannot use free McBoot unless they have a mod chip on their system and they can boot from a memory card. Well, Funtuna essentially brings free McBoot to Fortuna. Now, I've also covered this in a separate video, but this is fantastic as well too. Really what you can do is use an entry point such as free DVD boot or Fortuna to copy a file onto your memory card and then once you're in your memory card, like once you have it all set up, you go into the memory card, you exit out of the memory card, and you're able to boot up free McBoot. So truly having the dream of getting free McBoot on every single PlayStation 2 without requiring any type of hard mod is awesome at this point. So next, let's cover some Switch news. Let's just jump right into this. And we're not starting with anything fun, unfortunately. Nintendo has been on a little bit of a spree with 
doing some more lawsuit-related things. Now, I have covered this in a previous episode of Mod Chat in which they were... Nintendo, in short, they don't want SX Lite and SX Core to exist. And if you don't know what these are, these are hard mod solutions that work on every single revision. They work on the patched switches, they work on the Mariko switches, they work on the slim or the light switches. I don't know where I got slim from, maybe PS2. But either way, Nintendo has even gone so far as to begin suing at least one retailer, one online retailer, which was opened up really just for SX Core, SX Lite, and they hadn't even sold their stock. They were just doing pre-orders of it. So I'd be surprised they even had any of this on hand. But either way, I did want to highlight this story because I have been following it here. It's from Motherboard, and it states here, Nintendo threatens repair shop for advertising Switch mod chip installs. Now, as written on here, I'm just quoting it, Nintendo doesn't want anyone to install mod chips in the Switch, and it's claiming that doing so violates the DMCA. In a cease and desist letter obtained by Ars Technica, Nintendo told the Connecticut-based repair store Logistics LLC to stop offering to install mod chips on Nintendo Switch or face further legal action. Nintendo has been fighting against mods and piracy for years now. One of its current targets is Team Executor's SX devices. Once installed, the SX device allows the Switch to play pirated games and backup saves to an external SD card. Logistics LLC didn't sell the devices, but it would install them for $60 if a customer provided the chip and the Switch. Now, as Nintendo claims here, they are saying through the mod service you are offering, you literally break open, I like how they use literally, you literally break open a customer's Nintendo Switch and then solder the SX Core and SX Lite into the console. The SX Core and SX Lite are illegal pirate mod chips that circumvent Nintendo's technical measures. Now, even one thing I'm just noticing here, and this is just a more interesting one, that's why I wanted to cite this, it looks like Nintendo just sounds really annoyed, even in their legal letter. Because just even this here, they said, quote, This letter should come as no surprise to you, given the fact that you seem well aware of the unlawful nature of your entire operation. And yet you are continuing to provide a service to install those very same mod chips into the Nintendo Switch consoles. Nintendo will not tolerate such badly unlawful conduct. At the time it was stated here that the cease and desist letter was giving Logistics LLC until June 22nd to stop doing the install. However, the owner here, they don't, they're not just a mod shop, like, they do computer repairs, refurbishing, all that stuff, so this is, this is not their target demographic is what I mean. Uh, to the point where it even says here, uh, the ad for the install had been up for less than two weeks, and his company hadn't performed a single install. Of course, the owner doesn't want to fight this in court, I would understand why, but he's saying, I wish I had the time to do it. This isn't my main business, we repair laptop boards, desktops, I do a lot of soldering for people all over the country. This is just one more thing for me to solder. It's not going to destroy my business business, obviously if I go to court with them, I'd probably run out of money. Now, even though the, the owner has agreed to this cease and desist by ceasing and desisting on here, uh, I, I do like their attitude on this, in which he was saying, people have the right to do what they want with their devices, the right to repair. I don't think the general population understands that company don't want you to touch the stuff that you pay for. They will fight to make you buy a new one every year. And for him, it's very much the owner here, Ben Van Rien. That's very much how he's handling it. Now, I know this is a older story on here, but I did, again, I really wanted to cover this just because a lot of times you see mod shops and mod retailers that are shutting their doors and such because that's their entire business. Uh, while as the gentleman here who owns this shop, again, 
this is not his main business. As I've said twice at this point, he does a ton of other stuff and he was just saying, hey, I'm going to do this right here. And he was not supplying pirated games. He wasn't supplying uh, even licenses or offering to help or what have you. It was quite literally, uh, let me let me do this here. This is quite literally, he's being stopped with, hey, you have a switch. You have to bring your switch to me and I can put the chip thing inside of it. Now, you are responsible for buying the chip, and I'm not going to help you set it up. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm not going to supply you games. I'm not, I'm not going to help you with the software at all. I'm not even going to carry this in stock. However, if you bring me a switch and bring me a chip, I will put solder on the chip and put it inside of the switch and then give it back to you. Just, he's building you a sandwich at this point. If you want to argue with the service, that's going to be something else in there, but typically what I've seen with Nintendo going after these people, uh, not particularly logistics, I'm talking about um, the other mod shops and other people who have been doing this. They might do install services on the side, but they've more been going after people who've actually been selling and supplying the chips uh, and or supplying the licenses for SXOS and especially the companies who have been doing bundles of pirated games with these which is always a bad idea that that's always a awful idea uh, but this right here is just it is it is just straight up <laughs> an install service and that is it I, I I have not seen this now one thing here is actually on the logistics website and they still have the advertisement up and as you can see right here uh, this is one of the SX chips I, this is I don't even know what this one would be if it's the core or the light it's probably the light that's the more oh yeah no it's probably the light I haven't installed it I don't own it I'm not sure on this uh, but either way he has kept this up as you can see it is out of stock uh, but I just wanted to show you all this because to my surprise the ad was still up and he has been updating it the last update was on july 24th but i did just want to kind of read this out to you all and run you all through it so right here let's just take a look at the original setup while your console is here as a courtesy we'll clean the inside serves the cooling system all that other stuff in short what to include we like to test everything so your unit is plug and go when you get it back please include your joy con controllers for testing uh, a few other just extra things as well too now for the product info nothing there that's just you know that, <laughs> that that's just your your tags and such here it looks like this is the original post i've of course i was missing it in red but it says this is not for the purchase of the nintendo switch sx core or sx Lite mod we don't make the mod or sell the mod currently uber chips which this was the company that was taken down and mater.pl have canceled and refunded pre-orders uh, presumably by nintendo intervention now starting here on june 8th Awaiting latest supply chain update from vendors. Switch SX Core you can get from here. SX Lite you can get from here. On the 15th, they said currently in talks with Nintendo and their lawyers from New York. They are supposedly sending us a certified letter for cease and desist regarding this service. <laughs> okay, I, I find that update funny where he, he ended up putting it in here just saying like, hey, this is like the, the pre-letter. On the 21st, this is where it shut down. He said, we are not performing this service currently. Thanks for all the emails and phone calls. Nintendo has given us one extra week via email to consult with our own legal counsel regarding this service. 
Now on July 7th, he's saying we are no longer offering the SX Core Lite install service. Fighting Nintendo for save game recovery is something that will take more of a battle for bricked devices. While the SX Core Lite device can be used for illegal means, their main complaint, it's not the only thing it provides. It has the capability to export save games that currently costs money and requires a subscription fee. Perhaps Nintendo will rethink the save game feature without a mod and offer export to SD card instead of having to pay them. Some good can still come out of this. Thanks for the continued support. Check our shop page for other repairs and mods for Switch and other consoles currently. Mainly RGB, HDMI mods, and repairs are continually added. Looking forward to the next generation of Sony PS5 and Microsoft Xbox S Xbox X XBS One X machines and what they will bring. I hate their I hate what Microsoft does, Jesus. Nintendo's legal team is still in close communication with us, but no word of a lawsuit at this time. Now, the last update on the 24th of July is Nintendo's lawyers are still taking vacation and no longer responding to my emails and or voicemails. They've taken around four or five vacations since the start of this. They don't seem to be taking their rushed cease and desist seriously, and we may begin services again shortly because they seem to be bluffing the entire thing just to stop installs for serve for customers to get safe data backups. Many calls and emails about this. This is a right to repair issue and modification of a device you purchase and own. There are no pirated games or any software installed by us that infringe on any copyright data. And and yeah, that I would agree with. They still have this up on here. They're still, you know, considering kind of going back on this because obviously Nintendo sent the cease and desist first. But they're saying, well, we're trying to, they, they are one of the few, if not the only company I've seen that has tried to push back even a little bit on this, just because they're not only a mod shop. Uh, Nintendo Switch SX Core SX Lite mod chip installs have brought them zero dollars. Nothing at this point. Their business is made on everything else except for this. Um, so they have a little bit of wiggle room on there. They don't just have to instantly shutter their doors because they are a mod shop that specializes in Switch-related stuff. Uh, but I will be following this. I still have this page linked, this ad linked here, just because I'd like to see what happens in regards to it. But Nintendo is still not like an SX Core SX Lite, and I, I get it. <laughs> I guess you can say a lot of the community doesn't like it either, but that's... I'm not going to open that can of worms. Let's not do that. Now, in regards to Nintendo just continually going through and taking down devices which are out in the wild, another one here is Dragon Injector, which I don't know if I've covered on Mod Chat or not. I obviously, uh, like, I, I honestly don't know. Uh, however, this right here, it, it was, at least this review, was made in November of 2019. And it's saying the Dragon Injector, the ongoing project from Matt Nader X. And in short, this is, it's really cool, actually. It comes in a actual, like, switch case like this. And this is a RCM, like, it's a payload injector right here. Now, you might be wondering why it's different than anything else. Well, check it out. This is it. It comes in a switch case right here. And right here, this is... It's a payload injector that's supposed to fit inside of the cartridge port of your Nintendo Switch. So in short, you're able to take that and you can easily store it so you don't have to carry around an extra thing. You just pop it in where you would normally put a cartridge. But when you remove the Dragon Injector, it has a RCM jig, which you can use. And it also, of course, doubles as a USB Type-C injector. So you can jig your Switch 
and put booted into RCM mode and then run the payload that you desire on here. Uh, this is a really cool product. This is really awesome. And from what I see, it's pretty well built. As awesome as it is, it was so awesome that Nintendo had to go after this damn thing as well too. So th this is straight from Matt Nader X, unfortunately, on their Discord. They said, all right, everyone, time for another update. This one's a big one, but please take the time to read all the way through. First, let's get the bad news out of the way. Many of you have probably noticed I've been absent from the server for a few weeks. While a lot of this was due to the busy summer months of my day job, the bigger reason was this. On July 13th, I received a cease and desist from Nintendo's lawyers regarding the Dragon Injector project. While I don't believe the project was or is unlawful in any way, I do not have the resources to go to court to prove that for a hobby, especially considering the project netted a loss for a few thousand dollars overall. I had wanted to quickly come to a settlement, share the sad news, and move on weeks ago. Unfortunately, the response my lawyer sent weeks ago has been met with silence. At this point, complying with these cease and desist and moving forward is the best course of action I have. So while I'm back, unfortunately, the Dragon Injector will never be. For a, the few people who received a Dragon Injector that was dead on arrival and had opened a support ticket, I will be refunding you over the next few weeks. If you had broken your shell within the 90-day warranty and had opened a support ticket, I will be looking into some sort of credit. Please have some patience as lawyer fees and injection mold costs that I now can't even use set me back quite a bit. For everyone else, I'm very sorry, but the best I can offer right now is the open source 3D printed models of the version 20 shell for you to 3D print yourself. So to a minor extent, I have seen Nintendo also go after these injectors as well too, whether it be the SXOS's injector, like, or the SX, not core, but their injectors is what I'm saying, uh, or the RCM clip, or R there's so many out there, regardless of what it is, NS Atmosphere, there's a few others. So I've seen Nintendo get mad and go after these, which personally I completely disagree with, because it's a USB Type-C device that has a dot bin file on there and if the dot bin file is completely clean open source doesn't have any copyrighted code um, at that point it's about the equivalent of hey i took a usb drive and i have a dot bin file on here that's open source but somehow that's illegal i i don't i don't like that <laughs> Not, not. I'm, I'm just saying the situation overall with these, with Nintendo going after them. I get that they're upset by them, but I also don't see how this is illegal on here. Now, in regards to what we're looking at with the Dragon Injector, because we don't have the actual like the legal documents and such to look through. I don't know what exactly Nintendo would have cited on there. I'm almost curious if they would have cited like, hey, is the cartridge an issue itself because you end up creating your own mold? But if it was open source and he created his own mold, that should be fine as well too, especially because we have other companies who are making official, official unofficial reproductions of cartridges and such for older Nintendo systems. So... I don't see that as much of an issue. Look, at the end of the day, I, I think I'm more just... Bluntly, this is just... It's a cease and desist that is trying to shut down projects such as this, where the project seems to be fine. Again, if if the bin... If the payload that was... Even if there was a payload included... Let's put this forward. If there was a payload that was included on the Dragon Injector that did have copyrighted code, then sure, there's an issue right there. But especially if it's coming blank 
and it doesn't have any copyrighted code to actually run the device itself with the little logic it has, and then the .bin file you're putting on there doesn't have any Nintendo proprietary code, there's no issue on there. This right here, th this, is, this is taking down a flash drive. Let's just move on to the next topic. I, I don't know what else I have to say on this. For our last Switch topic here, I, I did want to look at this from Wololo, which was covered by Aurora called Egg NS. And this is, uh, as she says here, a seemingly working Switch emulator for Android with playable performance, uh, but it comes with stolen code from Yuzu and seems to require a specific controller. Uh, so in short here, this is, Egg NS just kind of came out of nowhere. And this is supposed to be a Android-based Switch emulator. Uh, it's distributed for free. From what I understand, the controversy, there's a few bits of controversy on here. I mean, in short, it's being demonstrated where I, like, look at this. This is Hollow Knight being played on this phone, and it's running at 61 frames a second. So, I mean, full speed at that point. But the app you can get for free. As I understand it, the app does require sensitive key files from the Switch, so it is assumed that you have an exploitable Switch and you can dump your prod.keys or just your sensitive keys from that Switch console, and then you drop that onto your phone in order to use on EggNS. Now the other bits of controversy are, yes, it does seem to have stolen bits of GPU code, like for the GPU itself from the Yuzu emulator, uh, which is an open source emulator for the Switch that's on Linux and such. However, the other thing is as well too, the, the emulator is being given out for free, but it requires this contraption right here, this controller. And from what I know, this controller isn't out in the wild yet. Apparently this emulator, as is stated here, is only compatible with the GameSir X2 controller. And this is a $100 controller. Now, it, it looks like a nice controller. It, it looks cool. Like, it looks like a neat way to be able to drop your phone in and play Switch games on it. But I feel like this is also from... I feel like the company that's working on the hardware is working on the... Everybody's anticipating this, but it looks to me like the company that's working on the hardware is also working on the software. And they're giving out the software for free but they're pretty much making you pay for it by requiring you and forcing you to buy this $100 controller. So they're, in a way, in a roundabout way, they're selling you access to this emulator for $100. Well, would you look at that? They actually dropped the price. I'm finding this on GameSir's website. This is linked in the article, and it's $69.99. So, okay, it's not $99.99, it's $69.99. You can get it from AliExpress, I guess, on here. Let me... Let me just see. I actually haven't looked at this page yet. I've only read about this and such, but this is born for esports. All right. So I guess the idea is here you, you could use it just as a regular Android controller as well, but it also has the wink, wink, nudge, nudge ability to just by chance be the only controller for Android that will work properly with Egg NS and actually get it to boot up. And yeah, all right, so we're kind of seeing it a bit all over the place here, but in short, you're getting it for under $100 if you're getting it from China on here, so yeah, like this is, is this a legitimate controller? Yes, but I also have a feeling that, <laughs> that why is this? Why, I, I guess I'll ask to you all, so I'm not the only one insinuating here. Why is it that this is the only controller 
that will work with the Egg NS emulator, that will allow the Egg NS emulator to work. That's what I'm going to ask you all. It was also mentioned here on the article, while not much information has been given on this limitation, the game Sir X2 seems to simply be a USB-C HID device, so it is unlikely that there's a technical reason why the emulator only works with this controller. Oh, and, and last thing on here, uh, for some unknown reason, the application requires you to create an account in order to actually use it, which is quite unheard of when it comes to emulation applications. Yeah, alright. <laughs> I guess when it comes to this here, I'm not too terribly surprised that we're seeing something like this, uh, especially because, like, the Switch, I... I guess my thing is, I wonder how much of a emulator this is, as opposed to a re-implementation, so to speak. Uh, just because this is mobile hardware to mobile hardware. Uh, don't get it twisted, even though the Switch is a portable game console, this is a mobile device. At its heart, at the core, at, at the guts of it, the Nintendo Switch is a mobile device. And you can use it as a mobile device as well, too. Like, you can boot into Linux. You can boot into uh, Android. I've used Android. I've used it through Switch Root on here, and it works pretty well. And it worked with little to no issue. Yeah, there are limitations. There's things that need work. But it worked with little to no issue because you're porting a, a mobile application. You're getting a mobile application to work on different mobile hardware. All right, that, that's how it is on here. It's mostly off-the-shelf stuff when we're talking about it. And this has been well-documented in regards to it. Hell, that's exactly why we have the Tegra X1 here with the boot ROM exploit that allowed us to modify the Switch in the first place. Like, none of that stuff was super proprietary in terms of, like, the actual guts and the heart of the system. So getting something mobile to run on mobile, I... Yeah, I mean, it works. <laughs> the next thing I wanted to cover on here was revisiting our good friend, The Flow, and the PlayStation Vita with his new plugin called GE Patch. As stated, this is an experimental plugin for Adrenaline that allows you to play a few games in native resolution. Now, let me just explain that a little bit. The PlayStation Vita has a emulated PSP sitting inside of it, much like the Wii U has a virtual Wii sitting inside of it. Now what you can do is you can modify your Vita and use his application called Adrenaline to then bundle Adrenaline, you install Adrenaline, you copy over a 6.61 firmware for the PSP into it, and then once you install Adrenaline and you run this, you're able to then unlock the full ePSP compatibility on your PlayStation Vita with custom firmware, which is really awesome. So you have pretty much a full PSP inside of your Vita or your PlayStation TV. Now the Flow also has some screenshots here which I'm going to highlight. So for example, uh, LocoRoco, the PSP displays at a lower resolution than the PlayStation Vita. Uh, I guess technically it upscales, but the native resolution is still lower. So this is a screenshot from LocoRoco running on the ePSP on the Vita. And now, once you enable GE Patch, look at that. Like, I, granted, it's not going to look like crystal clear because the Vita is still like a something by 544 resolution. And then you're blowing, then you're, you're taking the screenshot and you're putting it through Twitter and that's going to compress it. And then you're displaying it on a bigger screen like this. So it's not going to look like amazing. All right. Uh, but it does look much better. Like, you can just see, like, the jaggies and such on here, and this one's just, like, it, it's not as clear, it's not as sharp, and then the, the Vita version, this looks pretty good. Like, the, the Vita resolution, this, I'm gonna refer to this as PSP, and this is Vita, that's what I'm talking about, even though it's still a PSP game. Let's also look at his 
example here with Ultimate Alliance. So you got Ultimate Alliance, this is from the PSP's native resolution, and then you bump it up with GE patch, and that looks so much better. Like, the models look clearer, like, that looks really good. The, this, to me, is a bigger difference than LocoRoco. And, you know, I have to say, I hate when people make this comparison, but the first thing that crossed my head, and I hate to admit it, is the, the Vita resolution is what I would expect the game to look like. And then when you compare it to the PSP resolution, the PSP version looks like a PS1 game, <laughs> almost. Granted, like, a very high-end PS1 game, but, like, it's giving me some PS1 vibes. But, man, this is awesome. On here, the big thing with this is, well, two big things. One of them is that he's doing a lot of patches for this, so really updating a lot of things. But he's also looking for help in just people testing out games so he actually has a spreadsheet right here in which you can add your findings to this and i'm sure he's going to use those to further improve upon this plugin but that's also kind of why i want to blast this out as well too if you want to have some fun with increasing the native resolution on a bunch of psp games on your vita you can definitely help out the flow and in turn help out the community all right it's about that time we now need to look at reverting playstation 4 firmware and I'm using this carefully. This is not a firmware downgrade. This is reverting your firmware. And let's just go ahead and jump into this and explain it. So Gregory Rasputin, he ended up posting on his site here, PlayStation Hacks, developer and tinker uh, Centrino has successfully performed a firmware revert on his PS4. Reverting is great if you want to have a homebrew console, but also want to play the latest games or play on PSN, back up your PS4's syscon and hard drive, update, play online, then revert back to 6.72 when you want to play homebrew. Of course, this method is not for everyone, and only those skilled enough with a soldering iron will be able to do this. You can read this article to better understand how to revert. And we're going to look at this here, where it says there is a firmware revert guide by MaxLab81. And here, Greg was saying, Back in early July of this year, I created this thread, which discusses the possibility of downgrading your PS4. Wildcard's method has been made a reality, and you can now downgrade or revert to a lower firmware following a tutorial by MaxLab81. Firstly, I would like to note that this method is being referred to as a revert and not a downgrade. This is because you are not actually downgrading from a higher firmware to a lower one. Instead, you are returning to a lower firmware that you have already backed up. You are reverting your system to that lower firmware. 6.72 as an example. I'd also like to note that this method will not let you play 7.55 games on 6.72 or lower. To use this revert guide, you will need the following here, taken from the actual guide. And here, uh, you know what, we can actually just jump into the guide itself. I've got the guide pulled up here, and we're just kind of going to briefly go through this, because honestly, a, a bit of this is going to go over my head, uh, but I did want to show you all this. So this is the user manual for downgrading your PS4 through a sys glitch procedure, and the materials you're going to need are, <laughs> there's going to be a lot here, but just bear with me, a uh, R5F100 PLA for SAA and SAB, or an R5F100 LLA for SAC, SAD, ECC, ECC, RL78 family stock, an E2 Lite Renaissance, I believe that's how you say it, a Teensy 4.0 for your sys glitch, a Teensy 2.0++ for dumping your NOR, a serial UART to USB, a TQFP 100 pin at half a millimeter, a soldering station, and a lot of patience and a lot of passion. 
is what it's saying here. So first of all, the sys glitch wiring diagram is covered in which this looks like. This is how you are wiring out your syscon to a Teensy 4.0. Again, this is for the sys glitch setup itself. So here you need to take your Teensy 4.0 and program it. You'll then need to take your syscon and place it on the board. And there is a circuit which needs to be created right here. And we've seen this image already before, but this is kind of the beautiful monstrosity that we end up building out right here for our sysglitch setup. Now, next up, you need to take your console's onboard syscon and you're going to dump that out. Make sure it is nice and secure and safe somewhere because you are going to need that later on. I'm kind of going to go just through this briefly right here. There's going to be some more preliminary steps that you're going to have to do, a few more edits that you'll have to make and save out this dump and such. And again, if you're going to be doing this, just make sure you're going to take all the precautions you need. Make sure everything proper has been backed up multiple times. That's all I can recommend right here. But either way, we're still going through this with setting up the programmer and writing a syscon backup, all of that. And at this point here, we also need to back up our NOR. So the NOR is the actual flash storage on the console itself where the firmware is stored. I find it interesting, we're pretty much here at the end. Uh, so this did cover the syscon backup. This covered the uh, NOR backup, but it didn't cover the hard drive backup, like it not a recommendation on there, which I'm sure you can just take a raw image of your hard drive and back that up. Uh, but either way, once you're able to do all this here, you have your syscon backed up. You have your NOR backed up, you have your hard drive backed up, you can then update your system to a higher firmware. And whenever you want to revert back, you can go through all the steps here to restore a syscon backup. You can then restore a NOR backup and you can restore your hard drive backup and you're back down to that lower firmware. So you are... You're not downgrading, you are reverting your firmware. I know that's kind of a lot to glaze over in regards to this, and this is definitely a more advanced setup and tutorial here, one that I'm personally not going to be covering, uh, just because that's a lot, in all honesty. Uh, but either way, it is awesome that we see something like this. Now, I don't know if we're ever going to get to a point where we can just downgrade as easily as we can with a ps3 uh, if we do get to that point i certainly wouldn't be all too surprised i would welcome it of course uh you see i've seen this process a similar process before with other systems one main one i'm thinking of is the 3ds where at one point uh, it was said you cannot downgrade your firmware and then it was actually found hey actually if you hook up a for a, a if you do a hard mod to your 3DS and you dump your NAND and then you update, you can downgrade by reflashing that older NAND. So it's the exact same idea right here. You did a backup of your NAND, you would update to do whatever the hell you want to on a higher firmware, and then you could revert back using that restore point. And now at this point, you can just go willy-nilly all over the Switch, all over the 3DS, whatever it is, uh, even the, the, um, the PS3 as well. You can do that same thing. But a lot of those also started off with not having the ability to do a straight downgrade. They started off with, at first, hey, this is not going to be possible. And then, okay, we can revert our firmware. And if we can revert our firmware, the next step in that is downgrading. If we see true downgrades happening for the PS4 within the next two, three years... Uh, I'd say that's welcome. I wouldn't be all too surprised with that, though. And the PS4, technically, I mean from like the console perspective, technically does have the ability. 
Um, because if you have a dev kit or a test kit or what have you, those systems, you can't do with retail systems, but those systems, you can update your recoveries, you can downgrade your recoveries, and it's just a few clicks on a computer that is hooked up to your console. So it's it's completely possible on there, at least from a dev perspective. Uh, but for actual firmware downgrades on retail systems, we have reverting, which is awesome. But we're not at that full downgrade point yet. And just don't don't harass developers. Don't say that this is just this is a great first step on here is what I mean. This is this is I mean, this is a great first run. This is awesome that we can see it now. The only thing is, again, just stressing to everyone on here that you won't be able to downgrade. So if you have a higher firmware PS4 and you're just now hearing about this and you want to downgrade, it's too late. It's too late for you at this point, all right? You're not going to be downgraded. You're not going to revert. Uh, you can only back up what you currently have right now. So my own PS4 on 6.72, if I went through this process, I backed up my hard drive, I backed up my syscon, I backed up my onboard NOR. At that point, I could revert back to 6.72 whenever I wanted to for this exact console as long as I put in the actual effort and such there. Would I do that? Maybe not. I'm just going to be honest there. Uh, but that is how the firmware reverting works. And it doesn't look like you're going to be able to trade these between systems either. Like, each set of files is going to be for that particular system, is what I mean. So th th this is fantastic that we have this here. This is awesome. But I did want to cover this because I know a lot of people have brought it to my attention and such. And it is phenomenal that we have it here so far, but it is not downgrading as many people are wanting, it is reverting. So we still got to wait for downgrading. If we can do it, cool. But until then, just look for a lower firmware PS4. Now, I think it's about my time, you all. Uh, I'm getting a little bit tired. I'm kind of hungry. I need to walk my dog, Lily. She is she is gone at this point. I don't know where she's at. But uh, at the end of these episodes, uh, there's a couple things I want to do. And one of them is I try and show something that is just fun or cool on here. And I've missed it a few times. Uh, so... How do I... D I don't even know how to introduce this one. Uh, a pregnancy test running Doom. Like, if you don't follow the Foon account on Twitter, this account is awesome. And Foon was saying here, Yesterday I had a lot of retweets and Reddit posts and such for playing Doom on a pregnancy test. But as I explained then, it wasn't really playing on a pregnancy test. It was just a video being played back, non-interactive game. And yeah, that's what Foon was doing here. For some reason, Foon had taken a liking to pregnancy tests and bought a couple of them and started reverse engineering them and had video playback working on them. Well, now at this point, you can see right here on this video th that Foon has hooked up a wireless keyboard to this pregnancy test and is playing Doom in, in, in two bits. It's black and it's white. This is... <laughs> This is so awesome. This is so cool. Uh, let's look here. Uh, I tried zooming in and turning up the in-game gamma a bit so you can see what's going on slightly better. It's a 128 by 32 pixel monochrome display. It's never gonna be great. And if you want to support Foon right here, you can support them on coffee as well. Yeah. It's it's so ridiculous but awesome. I just and for anybody who uh who hasn't seen this, I hope it put a smile on your face of disbelief. It's a uh, pregnancy test doom. Anyways, that is about it for this episode of Mod Chat. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, a like would absolutely be appreciated. If you didn't like it, a dislike is fine as well too. And this is also another thing that I like to do. If you made it to the end of this episode of Mod Chat, if you are listening, you might have to come over to the YouTube upload and follow through with this. And if you do, that'd be awesome. But I like to put a keyword 
into the end of the episode to see who made it to the end. And if you use this keyword in your comment on the YouTube upload, I'll know you made it to the end. And you know what, just for the sake of this, let's use the word test. Uh, have you bought a pregnancy test before? Have you hacked up a pregnancy test with Doom before Foon did? Are you going to at this point? How are your tests going for any students who are watching? Have you done any easy tests yet in school? Any hard tests? What is going on with that? What are the anti-cheat measures on tests? Just whatever you want to use on there. If you use the word test, I will know you made it to the end. Anyways, as I said before, and as I always say, this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for listening and watching, everyone. And until next month.